Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is episode two zero. That is right, two zero of PK's place. I hope everyone's doing very well as of late. Hopefully, your twenty twenty two is off to a really good start. I mean, it's probably not as bad. It's probably way better than mine's gotten off to. Um, so you're listening to this on a Thursday. So what I'm going to say is past tense, but uh, I just got over having COVID. Yeah. Uh, I tested positive about uh, 10 days ago, 11 days ago. So I tested positive on the third, just after the whole New Year's thing. Um, and there have been a number of people that I knew that, that I, you know, that had been around that had it and that also tested. So, you know, I had been uh, making sure I was doing what I needed to do to stay away and make sure that, you know, I was isolating so I, I wouldn't give anyone else Omicron. Um Honestly, I did not have a lot of symptoms. Uh, really, the main one, which wasn't even, at least this is my experience. I can't speak on anyone else, but for me, it wasn't even that bad. It was mainly just like slightly congested. Um, I think it was like a day or two or so before I got tested. My mom on the phone with me, she's like, you kind of sound a little stuffed up. So that's what it was. But honestly, like I didn't really feel that bad. Like even uh, at my house, we have in the garage, there's, there's some weights. So I went to work out in the garage and I didn't feel bad at all. I was able to move the weight while I felt fine. So it's just good that I'm able to, you know, get out of the house and um, get out of the house now and be able to kind of get back into success society. Cause that's what ultimately I want to do is to uh, be able to go out there and do my thing. Um, so yeah, even um, other things that have kind of happened. So obviously like I, I talked about the whole, you know, Antonio Brown situation and there's a little bit of pushback at first, um, that they were like, oh, he hasn't technically been released quite yet, but now officially he's gone. And I saw he was at the Brooklyn Nets game. <laughs> the question I have is because you have to be vaccinated to go to a game at the Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden, anywhere in New York City. How much are we? How much are, is anyone willing to bet out there that he used that fake vaccine card that got him in trouble with the box to get into the game? Now, I don't know. Maybe he has gotten vaccinated. If anyone out there at home knows if he has, then, then that's great. Like, just let me know. I mean, I, I, if he has, then it's no issue. If he has for real, there's no issue, but if he still hasn't and he's using that fake Vax card, that's crazy. Cause that was the first thought that popped into my head about that. And then obviously he's been doing the, the media tours of going on Nelk's podcast and all these different things, releasing the song pit, not the place um, doing cameos. So yeah, it's, the whole thing is crazy, um, but even sticking with that football talk, we have the NFL has their their playoff scenario. And by the way, I got to say, for anyone who watched uh, on Sunday, there was a, a pretty but interesting scenario that that was playing out. So the Colts needed to win against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars have beaten the Colts. I think they're seven and zero or something like that again. Like they've beaten them every year pretty much since 2015, especially at home, and. The interesting thing to me is that with a Colts loss, that would mean the Chargers and <laughs> Raiders who played on Sunday night um, in Vegas, they would have needed a tie to get into the playoffs. So <laughs> I was I was told about this uh, on Friday or Saturday. And basically, my friend, a friend of mine and I were joking. We're like, what if the game was just them taking the knee the whole game? 
Now, obviously, for for legitimate purposes, that would, would that never ha- that didn't happen, and that never would happen. But just the thought of it was so is so funny to me. And the internet obviously took it and ran with it. And even crazier, um, obviously, we'll just start with that game, talk about it. But the what's even crazier to me is that the game is coming down to the wire. Chargers need to tie it, <laughs> and with two seconds left, there's two seconds left on the play clock. It's snapped to Herbert. He, th- he throws a touchdown pass, tie game, 20, 29 all. So in overtime, both teams exchange field goals. So it's 33 all. And <laughs> if it wasn't for Joe Staley, I mean, like, or is it Joe Staley or Brandon? I honestly, I forgot. Sorry. If it wasn't for Staley, Coach Staley, um, if it wasn't for him calling that timeout, honestly, I think the Raiders would have just taken a knee and tied it because the scenario was if they both tied, they would have made the playoffs. So that almost so that almost happened, but then the Raiders, when the timeout was called, they're like, "No, we're just gonna go win the game." So the Raiders go out there, and Daniel Carlson kicks the field goal to send them into the playoffs. Now, I w- I am someone. I just want to put on the record, I don't like ties. I hate ties. I hate when it happens, like when the Steelers tie the Lions. Disgusting, like stupid. But the thought of a tie in this scenario was so funny to me. I was all in. I'm like, this needs to happen. I really want it to happen. I thought it would have been so funny if it did. And, and oh, and even all you people out there, I hate to call you out, but those people who say like sports are rigged, like, I'm sorry, you're morons. I'm sorry. How it, you can't say that it's rigged. The, the best thing about sports is the fact that no one knows the outcome of any of this. So if you think that there, that someone's make, making this work, like it's like someone's moving chess pieces to make this happen, it's just, ridiculous but yeah Raiders Raiders get into the Raiders get into the playoffs they sneak they sneak in um Steeler fans were just on edge the whole game because they obviously beat Baltimore and they still had the chance to make the playoffs with one of those teams losing where I thought a tie would have been even funnier but they so they get in so so the matchups that we got for the playoffs um are well, I mean, week 18 was electric too. I mean, even like like the 49ers could have almost the 49ers early in that game were blowing it. They were down 17-0 um in the second second quarter. They end up making it 17-3. So McVay is going up in the half. And I don't know what was going on. Jimmy G was, you know, himself like he's he's inconsistent. Some games he looks really good, and then other times, other games or other parts of a game, he sucks. Um, so he wasn't playing very well, particularly. But then he picks then it, but then they get back to their game and they come back. They kick a field goal in overtime. And then Stafford has the chance to keep it alive, going to his going to OBJ, picked. 49ers win, end of the game. So 49ers make the playoffs. Um, the Saints do not, which would have been weird, a weird circumstance. But but yeah, all in all, it's just wild. And oh, and then I'm stupid, I'm gonna say this. The New York Giants. <laughs> oh my God, you Giant fans. Giants, Giants fans. How mad are you that you guys ran a QB sneak in basically with on like the three or four yard line? I can't remember. It was deep, well deep in your territory. And on third and nine, what are you doing? What is going on? It's honestly something like, like play calls like that that make me curious as to why Mike, why Joe judge is coming back. It's crazy. I, 
I can't understand it for the life of me. I really, really can't. It's bizarre. Um, that was that was a weird play. Um, also, uh, the team they played Washington getting the win, their last win as the Washington football team, as they will be obviously getting a new name in February. So we'll see what that name is. Um, yeah, and then obviously some other firings like uh, Vic Fangio fired. He didn't really do much with the Broncos. Mike Zimmer from the Vikings not wasn't great. Made the playoffs like I think like once or twice. I can't remember. Made it a few times. Um, I think the big one, Matt Nagy and Pace fired in Chicago. I mean, Bear fans talk to me like how how much of a relief is this? Because Nagy obviously like they had a good first year um, when they won the division, but ever since then it's just never been the same. Nagy, Nagy, Nagy's an idiot, quite frankly, and he, he's just not a good coach anymore. So I thought it was. Time for a change pace too. Um, I thought that that was, you know, something like that. I thought it was, it was needed that they um, needed a change. And then um, Brian Flores uh, gone in Miami. I mean, if it wasn't for like the last half of the year, you could have saw it coming. I mean, they started one and seven, like one and eight. It was insane. Which speaking of that, them beating the Patriots, I will say, Probably one of the weirder stats I've ever seen in a sport is, for those that don't know, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback, he was 9-0 and this year, 9-0 and against quarterbacks who had a letter O in their last name. So that was two against Mac Jones, Mike Glennon, Cam Newton, um, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco. Um, there were a few others in there. And then, obviously, he was 0-8 against guys who didn't have it, like Josh Allen twice, Brady. Derek Carr, um, Carson Wentz, like all those. Um, so just a, probably one of the weirder stats, <laughs> weirder stat lines out there. Um, but enough of week 18, we got the playoff matchups. So in the NFC, um, the buy is obviously the Packers. I mean, I mean, they earned it. I mean, they're, 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 they're humming right now. They're playing really well. I mean, Rodgers might win his second MVP in a row. We'll see about that. Which, by the way, <laughs> that reporter in Chicago, and I feel like Bear fans, I get it. I mean, Rodgers does own you guys. I mean, the numbers don't lie. But the guy not voting for – saying he's not voting Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he's a bad person. And then Rodgers gets asked this in the media, and he just goes, well, that guy's a bum. <laughs> it's so funny to me just that he goes out and goes after that guy. It's incredible. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, so they're humming. Uh, the two seven game is the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Eagles. That's inter- a little interesting matchup. Thir- uh, three six game is uh, the Cowboys and the 49ers. And then the four five is a- an NFC West matchup, the Rams and the Cardinals. Um, so if I had to make predictions here and, and mind you, grain of salt, I'm- I don't believe I'm going to be right with a lot of these. That is going to be very wrong. And I probably will get exposed for some of these takes um, in the next few weeks as the playoffs unfold. But if I had to guess, I would say the divisional round is going to be Packers, Bucks, uh, Rams, and 49ers. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't, I'm kind of a 49ers guy, but I do think that they can beat the Cowboys, especially, especially the way they run the ball. I mean, it happened, Arizona ran the ball against them and won. Um, so then out of that, it's going to be Packers, 49ers, and Bucks Cowboys. I might be stupid to say, but I think it's going to be Packers and Bucks again. 
Although the Cowboys could sneak in there, but I don't know. It's like never get bet against Brady. The only, the only thing I'll say this time, I actually do think, um, I hate to say it, but I do think um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers make it to the Super Bowl. Um, now, who he's going to face in the NFC side? So the NFC, the surprisingly, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed, surprisingly. Um, they get the bye. The Chiefs are number two. They're playing the Steelers, who snuck in. I mean, uh, Steelers. Um, I'll get to that one in a sec. Um, the 3-6 game is going to be an AFC East matchup, Bills and Patriots. That'll be, a, that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to that one. And then the 4-5 is the Bengals and the Raiders. So, for me, it's going to be Titans, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. I know it's – I'm not picking any ups. I know it's like, oh, you just picked one through four. I got no upsets, but – I think that's how it is. And not to say I told you so, but there are Patriot fans out there that I said Buffalo is winning the division this year. And I'm not a Bills fan. I'm just predicting it. And they did. So I told you so. And I think they're going to, and especially if there's no bad weather, because that bad weather game, Belichick being such a great coach that he is, has just knows what to do in that, in that, in that environment. And he executed that game plan well. But when they were in Gillette and there was no bad weather, the bills were better. So I think it's going to be that way. So if I, so it's going to be Titans. So then it's going to be Titans, Bengals, and then chiefs bills. I think it's going to be, Ooh, I think it's going to be Bengals and chiefs. Um, weird take Bengals and chiefs, AFC championship game. And I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be the chiefs. So I think it's gonna be Packers and chiefs. And I think the Packers are going to win the super bowl. Hate to say it, but I think, I think they're going to win it. Aaron Rodgers, MVP of the Super Bowl. And then I think he leaves after that. Maybe he doesn't, but I think it'd be great if he wins and then just says, peace. Um, but yeah, that's my um, Super Bowl predictions. Um, we'll see how it uh, plays out. Uh, and today's interview, actually, first interview of the year, uh, surprisingly, is with a good friend of mine, Lawrence Miller. Lawrence Miller is a former U.S. Marine. He's a military, military member, veteran. So this is a really good interview. We talked for about an hour. We chatted about a lot of important subjects in terms of military relations and relationships with veterans. Without further ado, we're going to send it over to Lawrence Miller. All right. Our next guest is a former Marine, U.S. Marine. So first off, thank you for your service. Um, he is a good friend of mine, Lawrence Miller. What's going on, Larry? What's going on, big man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Just trying to, trying to stay warm here in, in Michigan. So we finally got some snow. Uh, maybe Santa Claus dropped off some snow because we definitely have a white Christmas, but uh, we definitely have one now. Yeah, it uh, definitely came late for sure. Um, so yeah, how are you? Uh, how are you holding up these days? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just uh, taking life one day at a time. And uh, some great words of wisdom I received a while back was, yeah, you have to be patient and trust the process. And uh, one day at a time, that's all we can control. We can't uh, change the past. We can't control the future. All we can do is impact uh, today. I think that's very well said. Um, so like I mentioned off the top, you uh, you served in the U.S. Marines. So my first question I wanted to ask was um, basically, what do you think needs to change in terms of how uh, the relationship between uh, like a, an army, like a veteran, whether it's Marine, Air Force, um, Coast Guard, any like uh, branch of the armed forces, what, how does that relationship between them and like society, how does that have to kind of evolve so that armed people in the armed forces feel more included when they 
re-enter the civilian population? I think that's a, that's a huge question. Uh, I've had many discussions about this, but uh, there's two scopes of that. Uh, the first scope is the individual like myself who uh, volunteered to make the ultimate sacrifice and realized uh, if I were to complete all the training and do everything I wanted to do, there's a possibility I would never come back alive. But the overall ability to uh, protect and impact others from around the world was something I was really heavy on my heart. And I wanted to challenge myself, myself to physically and emotionally and, and mentally. Um, and then you get, uh, you know, the other part of society say, oh, well, they signed up for it. So whatever they get in return, they deserve it. So there's a, there's a huge gap there. And then another component a lot of people don't realize is, is there's a lot of people that quote unquote say they help, but those help dollars are um, for instance, a lot of nonprofits or a lot of companies who say they want to help or, or stuff like that, you know, some for every dollar, for every dollar donated, like three cents only actually goes to the veterans of that are that need the help. The rest of it is funneled into salaries, um, bonuses, all that type of stuff. Um, but then you also have the organizations that do help, and I've been lucky enough to meet uh, a, few, a handful of those throughout my return since getting back over a decade ago. But uh, there's a lot of, there's a ton of work to be done. There's a ton of um, ideas and there's a ton of impact that can re really be done to actually impact. And then um, another component uh, is the VA healthcare system, which, you know, disabled veterans are part of once they return. And to be honest, it's the most corrupt system in America. Um, it's ran like a big business. Uh, the more, the more people they kill at the end of the line, the less money, you know, the bottom line is smaller that they've shovel out every month. So when they say they want to help or work, they, there's so many red, there's so much red tape, so many hoops, but they, it's fundamentally like that. So it's deter people from actually getting the help or, or make it extremely impossible to uh, get better. So um, I could go on and on, but uh, there, there's a lot of components that, that, that are going on a daily basis. Yeah. So first thing that comes to my mind is that this is not a simple issue, that there's a lot of moving parts and it's complex. My question to you is, why do you think there is such a disconnect in terms of how things should be handled and the way that they actually are? Uh, so in my military service, I got uh, there's a numerous times where I got hurt or, um, you know, I suffer uh, service-connected disabilities uh, from. A lot of people don't know because you're so, you reach such a pinnacle of, of um, training or your job or, or stuff like that. And you're just, uh, nothing's wrong with you. You're, you're uh, the Terminator. You, if, you, if you're injured, just keep going. It's fine. It'll be okay. But at the end of that is you're just a number. You're expendable. And um, I think that's, that's really the disconnect is they want you to feel like you're inhuman. You don't have any emotions. You're not allowed to feel. You're not allowed to love. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be happy. Uh, you're supposed to do what you're told, when you're told, how you're told for the rest of your life, no matter what. And if you don't, then uh, they will make life completely miserable for you. Yeah, I think that's something that's really not talked about that much in this whole conversation is the fact that it's like, obviously, in the, in the armed forces, you have 
the drill instructor and they tells you it's regimented, as you know, you had to do this when at this time. And as I say, but I, I think that's crazy that it's not talked about enough that you, like you said, you can't just even be a simple, like the basics of a human and you can't be emotional. I think that's, that's wild to me. And I think a lot of people will find that crazy that you can't just be who you are. It's like, you have to be someone you're not. No, I totally agree. Um, the last year of my life uh, has been really difficult, but uh, to be honest with you, it's the most I've cried in my entire life. Um, but a lot of that is learning to be human again and uh, learning that it's okay and learning. And then there's a whole other aspect is uh, you're an alpha male or the whole male instinct of not only being a man, but being on top of that military. And then what I did in the military being such a small group and, you know, um, uh, you're not allowed to be share emotions. You're not allowed. To, and if you are, then you're garbage, you know, see you. Goodbye. Uh, talk to you later. Um, you're not, it's, it's so the stigmatisms and the culture and society that bought it is so um, uh, hidden is a great word. Mm. Yeah. I, I, th I think that's something that we need to normalize. And I actually thank you for sharing that. I think as a society, we need to normal normalize that men do cry and that it's, it's not embarrassing if men do it's men are allowed to show emotion. I think that the fact that you've cried multiple times this year, I don't think I, when I, when you say that, I didn't think for one second that you're a weak person because that's not at all what it means. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you bring into the military side of it, a component where, um, obviously you're trained to do certain things and, and, uh, you can't show emotion. You, you have to go off for split second judgments and situations. And I understand that. And I understand why, because I was there. Um, but when you're back home and you're trying to figure out who you are as, as a, as an individual, uh, soul searching, finding your purpose, um, that's when you almost, it's almost like untapping foreign waters to understand like how how am i supposed to react and if i do react in those certain situations um how am i going to be judged or how am i going to be looked at uh it's there there's a lot of complexities of it and for myself that's all i can really speak on i know others like me but um it's extremely hard um and for someone to say that it's easy or it comes overnight or it there's a book to read about it it's it's not and uh it's lonely at times um but it's it is what it is yeah is there was so in your path to discovery and trying to rediscover who you are and what you want to do passion wise what advice would you give to anyone who is basically going through the same situation whether they're in the armed forces and a veteran like you, or even if they lost a part of their life ended and they need something else to continue with. So my biggest, my biggest thing and what I really want to do and continue to work on is letting people know they're not the only one. Um, they're not alone. And that's how I really want to, I want to connect people to be able to, um, have like a group or someone to shoot a text to or or give a phone call to and say like hey i'm having a really hard day 
Um, I don't know what to do, but it's really dark. I, 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 I want to lean on you or I need to lean on you because today I'm not strong. Because a lot of people, veterans or military, they all internalize everything. And one of the biggest things they do is they seclude, they go hide, they basically go in hiding. And like, I mean, that's what I've done uh, or in my past is like, I, I like hibernate and you go through and it's just, it's not, it's not a fun place. Um, but uh, you try to, you try to figure out in your mind and who can I trust? Who can I rely on? Who can I ask questions to? Who can I be vulnerable to? Um, who can I get help from? And I think the biggest thing is, is the people around you that will, uh, support you no matter what, uh, good day, bad day, success, failure, um, redemption, uh, climbing a ladder or falling down the ladder, you know, um, a lot of veterans, they come back and, and, uh, they're just known as a number or, uh, or, uh, their last name. They, uh, and, uh, you try to come back into this world and so many people, uh, perceive and post judgment on, on you like that. Um, and it's really hard. I'll give you a crazy example. Um, recently in the past year, uh, I was looking at houses and there was a realtor um, that spoke to uh, another another uh, person in the housing business and and they relayed a really um, alarming uh, message about veterans. And uh, the one realtor said that, you know, the words that were exchanged were, I wouldn't work with a veteran because you don't know how many babies and mothers they've killed. And, uh, it's people are, it comes down to ignorance when it comes down to what's actually being said in today's society. And people think like, Oh no, that's not happening. That's not happening. It's happening every day. Uh, it's happening all throughout the country. Veterans are being judged, whether they want to buy a house, buy a car, uh, or if they're homeless or trying to, uh, just, you know, find shelter or they're, they're admitting they have PTSD or they're admitting um, they need help with addiction or they're admitting that they need help with the transition to normal life because their life isn't split second decisions anymore. And they're trying to unwind their brain to understand they have time to think, time to adjust and time to figure out who they are. And it's that quiet space is, uh, is filling that space with positive energy and positive people is is probably one of the one of the most difficult things that uh, has to be done absolutely uh i think it's good that you're you're bringing the the talk forward that having a support system is what's needed because i think it's so underrated when you can look at your life and actually say i have a good support system that you can go to if you have a problem if you need something and it's not easy to find the right support system, but when you find it, it's, there's not a lot of better things than having the right mix of people to be in your corner. Yeah. And once you find those people that you want there, or you've been searching your whole life for, um, you'll do anything for them to, to make sure that they stay there. And the people that, uh, you know, just want to see you fail or whatever, they'll do anything to try to, you know, get in the way of that, you know, uh, ironically, we're, we're having holding the Zoom call today and a good friend of mine uh, over the holidays, uh, well, the whole month of December, 
his mother uh, lost a leg from being a, he, he's an army veteran, uh, lost his, uh, his mother lost her leg, had to be amputated. Her husband passed away of cancer and then uh, his eldest son uh, passed away um on the month of december so uh today i i'm going to uh, actually a funeral for him for his oldest son but it's like situations like this you know you find those and all you, you don't really know what to say but you show up because showing up um means a lot more than any words can say during a time like this you know all right quick commercial break brought to you and this is just me pumping it again we got candidates here um i got the tangy citrus flavor um, no, no nicotine, no tobacco, all natural American grown hemp. It's 10 milligrams a pouch. These not only have great flavor, but they feel good. They get me feeling relaxed every day. Um, reminder, that's going to be to go to the website. You can go to canadipscbd.com. That is C-A-N-N-A-D-I-P-S-C-B-D.com code Hughes 15 H U G H E S one five at checkout. You're going to get yourself a nice 15% percent off of their wide selection of CBD, CBD dips and CBD products. Um, this is a company that I, I'm not just pumping because I want to, I actually like the product and I believe in the brand. So go to canadipscbd.com code Hughes 15 for checkout. And now back to more Lawrence Miller. 100%. I think, I don't think it could have been said better than that. It, it's almost, it's almost like when someone's going through a tough time and all, all you can really do is just, you know, tell them to like, bring it in, you give them and you give them a big hug. Cause that hug says more than any words you could say. And I think, I think it's so underrated when, you know, you have people that can support you like that and that can, you know, help you even through those tough times. That's crazy. You talk about a hug. And uh, when I was down the range, like uh, you, you think about, uh, I can't tell you how many times I thought about, I want to come back home and just get a hug. Like it's crazy what an actual hug will do. And you don't realize that until you're put in some extreme situations. Uh, but I definitely know the value of a hug. Uh, I definitely, definitely can relate to your comment. Yeah, there's even uh, there's this guy. I think he's on TikTok. There's this guy who makes videos where he'll blindfold himself and he'll have a sign, and it'll say if you're having a bad like free hug if you're having a bad day, or he'll like make signs like basically like if you're grieving or if you're this and you're that, come get a free hug, and you you'll be surprised the amount of people that like open up to this guy and actually feel safe that you know a stranger's um, committing such a random act of kindness. It goes a yeah. long way, honestly. No, it does, and uh, it's uh, it's crazy. I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, it's it's those people that aren't afraid of vulnerability and putting themselves in vulnerable situations um, that are able to grow and connect to an individual like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, going back to your life, what uh, what was your parents' reaction when you told them that you were joining the armed forces? Um, they, uh, they were really not, uh, not that happy. I, I told them seven days before I left for boot camp. Um, but my parents' support in my, throughout my life has really been, uh, if I'm doing something successful, then I'm, 
then they're there. But if I'm not, then they disappear, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I made the choice and decision to tell them seven days before I left. And, you know, that way I had the least amount of time to deal with the, the feedback and and go. When I made the decision to go, I set goals for myself and for me to reach the top that I could uh, in the military community and organizations in which I achieved. And that was my goal. For sure. So question now. So you said you told them a week before you were leaving. Did you ever think before you were about to tell them, did you ever think, what if I waited till like one to two days before I left? Do you think it would have been worse than you telling them the before? I actually, looking back at it now, I wish I would have just told them 24 hours before I left and said, peace. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so what I, I know, obviously hindsight's 2020, but why do you think you gave them that extra heads up of a week versus like a day before? Because if it was a day before, there's really nothing they can do at that point. Yeah. Uh, to see, to, to allow them that time to see if uh, they change or come to life with a different perspective. Um, I guess it's the, it's the, it was the open heart within myself is why I did it. Yeah. I can't honestly blame you for, for want, for trying to get them to change. There's got no, obviously there's people out there listening and watching that unfortunately probably don't have the most supportive parents. How much does that kind of weigh on you or at least growing up, how much did that kind of deter you from trying certain things? Like you said, if it's not going well, it's like, they're just not even there. Um, growing up as an only child, I all I really had was sport growing up. And I funneled all of myself into sports. And, um, <clears throat> and I kind of just, I kind of went with it. And uh, I really didn't let it deter me. Um, if anything, it made me more, more angry. And I just uh, pushed harder and, uh, and found deeper level to to succeed or go after what i wanted to do yeah for sure it's almost like it's almost like as you got more successful it's almost like you're in a way trying to show your parents that you can do it and i I do think it's i do think it's unfortunate that there are parents out there that feel the need to discourage their their kids from doing something almost like what you were saying because if, if if a kid really wants to do something they really want to commit their commit their time and effort to do it and if it fails like it happens like failure is how we learn so i think it's it's almost like just kind of a form of hating on it if you ask me absolutely i think the biggest thing that i've learned uh, being a parent is all the things that i want to change and learn to impact my children's lives and you know the players and kids i've worked with through sport is like if anything i want people to learn from my life so they don't have to go through it or they can make a better educated decision so their life is impacted in a healthier happier way for sure so you did mention you were a parent first off i wanted to say um congrats as i think you have another kid on the way so first off congratulations yeah congratulations so uh something my dad has actually told me is the moment uh a child is like in your in one's life is born it's almost like life really gets serious there because you're not just looking after yourself. You have this other, you have this other human being that you have to look out for. In what ways has parenting really changed your perspective on life and how you live? 
the biggest thing I can say to that is tomorrow is never promised. Um, when I was in the military, I knew that, but when you open yourself to learning how to love and be loved and be a parent and, uh, having a child on the way, um, I think that it, your heart is so much more like you want to soak in as much as you can every day and uh, do what you can in the moment to mentor, guide, inspire, and just love um, and, and do your best to protect uh, your children, your loved ones around you. Um, that's the, that's the biggest thing I, I could say is tomorrow is never promised. That's, that's, that's a great tagline to live by. I mean, obviously you should, you just can't take any days for granted, especially, especially like when you have kids. I mean, you never know what, you never know what's going to happen. And like, even if like, God forbid something were to happen, you would want your kids to be in the best possible situation that they can. Yeah. I guess being a father, um, I want my kids to grow up with knowing that I, I did ride by them. I did everything that I could for them. Uh, emotionally, uh, mentally, um, and, and present, um, and, and let my actions speak, um, for that and, and just stay present with them. So that's kind of the aspect I take. I like that. I like that. So what's one thing or one way you're going to try to something you're going to instill to instill into your kids so that they don't, that they don't become entitled or I guess for lack of a better word, especially with like the generations coming up, they don't, you know, they're not soft or that they actually have some mental toughness in them. I think, uh, uh, discipline is, is huge. Um, the value of a dollar and, uh, I guess, um, just allowing them to know they can make mistakes and they don't have to be perfect, but allowing them to grow. And if you choose not to grow, that's where we're going to have problems. But if you do grow and learn and become a better human being, then that's, that's one of the biggest things that, uh, uh, you know, as a father to, to teach my children. I think, I think the ones, the two that you said, I really like can st stick with me are mainly are the value of the dollar. Um, that's, that's one, because it's crazy that well, until you get like on your own and it's like that safety net's kind of gone. It's, it's not like you're just using mom and dad's money. Now you have to, you have to watch what you're spending and you can't, can't just be frivolous with it. You have to have a budget at the budget, obviously, and you have to make the right choices. So that, and then obviously the not growing part, obviously, like, I think, I think that's huge for you to say that um, they're allowed to make mistakes because there's so many, there's so many people out there that they feel, Oh, if I make a mistake, I'm screwed. And I can't, you know, my parents are going to be mad. Well, it's like, no, you can make mistakes. You got to learn from that mistake. You, you just can't let that mistake happen over and over again. Life, I know speaking for myself, my life has been full of mistakes or decisions where I was put in situations where the decision I made was either the right one or the wrong one, but I made the decision and I knew I was going to have to make a decision or a choice coming up pretty soon. 
but allowing yourself that that give to know that as a parent like allow your children to make a choice if it's good or bad you mentor them teach them and love them through that and see that growth because when you see that growth as a parent that's what you're looking for because that's the most meaningful thing you can do so uh growth and and this idea of being perfect or imperfections or never make mistakes that's that's completely a load of shit because sorry i don't know if we can say that on the show oh um i mean not really i mean like i so the thing i was um so i've been doing is uh basically like uh pretty much every f word i mean if you say shit that's fine like it's usually two dollars and fifty cents but i'm donating it it's, everything's gonna be donated to like a food bank or like a charity of your choice kind of thing right. so i like it pk yeah so we'll chalk that up but i i will i will piggyback off that i think something i want to say to everyone listening is the the notion that you're trying to be perfect i think everyone needs to knock that off because the reality is no one's perfect like think about it if you had all the answers you would never grow that's so boring if you had all the answers so i think that, that the sooner you can come to grips with the fact that you're not perfect that you're still you could still grow and you and you can make mistakes and learn from them i think is is very freeing mentally yeah exactly and uh and i think it's the people that you surround yourself through the life and uh people come and go from you know as a child high school post high school you know sports uh, career whatever it may be you can't let the fake people around you impact your your heart or what they say or how they say it you got to you got to believe in yourself and and go after things even when people say it's impossible or you're crazy i don't know how many times in my life i've been told i'm crazy um but that's that's me and uh you only have one life to live and uh you have to live each day to the fullest um but like i said in the beginning is is you have to be patient. You have to trust the process. And all you can do is live in the present. And, you know, as I get older, living in the present is something I'm really trying to embrace and, and uh, let everything else kind of take its course. But uh, just living in the present and actually living your life, um, living is, is something I'm really trying to embrace, you know? Yeah. And I think the other thing that needs to be said too is, Obviously, this is the first episode. Um, this is this actually one of the first this first interview I'm doing this this new new year. So the thing I want to say also is that the like if you look at like when you look back at different years, like you know, 2021, 2020, 2019, and you think, was that a good year? Was that a bad year? Recently I've stopped doing that because you have to realize there's good and bad in every part of the year. So just because so good bad things happen toward the end of the year or the beginning of the year whatever it is you can't really say that was a bad year because there's ups and downs in every year it's about just finding that balance and i think once you find that balance you can go about your life in a better way yeah i mean that's a great way to look at it and you know obviously being a little bit younger pk um you have to realize that that there's good and bad in every aspect of life whether you're uh, you know cooking a meal or picking a, a microphone out or making decisions like people think that there's this easy roadmap like you're talking about if there was a perfect roadmap all perfect decisions then this would be a bestseller and like everyone would be doing it but it's not because life is mm -hmm. so dynamic there's so many different 
like people don't realize like the world is a very big place and there's a lot more countries out there than the United States or whatever state you're in or whatever town you're in or whatever building you live in um, or whatever cell phone device you're connected to. There's so much more out there and there's human beings and there's decisions being made every day. What people don't realize is that you have the ability to make your own decisions and and keep in your life those around you and and to to make your own path and bubble and and uh, um, it's not about years or you got to take life day by day like that's my personal opinion yeah i mean obviously you can only go one day at a time one minute at a time and i don't see the value in trying to fast forward time i mean i think a, a def a, a skill or a thing that definitely helps people I guess if you want time to pass faster is obviously if you plan things in advance and mm -hmm. not like dreading or not just being like, okay, you know, five more days till this happens, but like still going about your day-to-day -day business, but knowing you have things planned, so that's something you can look forward to. I think that's like a helpful thing I've done. And I think other people can do that. If you have something planned, even if it's not like, not just a vacation, but if it's, you know, Oh, I'm going to do this with a friend or I'm going to do this by myself or do that with like my partner. I think those things go a long way. No, I totally agree. Uh, I was just, uh, I was kind of taking the whole broad spectrum of life. But when you're talking about, you know, scheduling those things to look forward to, um, you know, spending time with the people that mean most to you. I think that's really, really good, especially when you're going through life and the ups and downs, seeing you're having a bad day. But, you know, you know, in a few hours or, or tonight, you get to go spend some one-on-one -on -one time with the person that means the most to you. Um, that kind of, get you know, gets you through the rest of the day because, you get to see them, you know, or, or you're having a rough week in, in the office or school or, or whatever that you're doing. Um, you're like, you know what, Friday night, I get to, I get to go to watch the game or I get to go to the movie or, you know, I get to chat with so-and-so. So I think those are really important to schedule you time within that, that those positive, positive, you know, positivities in your life. Absolutely. And speaking of that, you time, Obviously, I know it's, you know, for you, it, it hasn't been easy, obviously, since coming back from from service with all the things going on in your head. But what do you what do you make of the importance of just being alone in your own thoughts for a little bit? Because me personally, I find being alone in my own thoughts kind of freeing or I find that it allows me to decompress at night before going to bed and obviously waking up every morning. So that's a, that's a loaded question, BK. Um, being alone in my own thoughts. Uh, it's probably been one of the hardest things I've ever had to face, uh, especially the last uh, last couple of years, um, just from a, you know, unbottling, getting so many suppressed things out of me and like understanding and feeling and emotions. So getting like uh, processing those or seeing those within myself is 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 hard. And uh, it's not easy to admit that, but, you know, I take it day by day and uh, I do the best that I can. Um, just, you know, who I am and how I was raised is, you know, you, you bury everything. You're not allowed to feel. Um, and then obviously what I did in the military, you're not allowed to feel at all. So it's so many years of suppression. Um, and then finally realizing and it clicks, you're allowed to be human and uh, move forward. And you're like, I almost feel stupid when I'm trying to process these things. Um, but I do my best every day.
Yeah, I uh, I commend you for for obviously sticking with it. Obviously, it's not easy for you or any other armed service members who have seen things that the civilian, if the civilian were to see it, they would almost be traumatized. So I, I give you a lot of credit for sticking with it and for um, for better word, not not giving up and and still finding that balance. And another, it leads me to this point. Um, have you like, since getting back, have you gone to therapy or have you thought of like going to therapy and just for the sense of having someone, uh, that you can talk to that obviously won't spill the beans to someone else or won't say anything that's totally confidential just to have a cathartic conversation with someone. Yeah. So great question. Uh, I have went to therapy before and within those therapy sessions, uh, you get judged and it's like mind blowing, um, or you get opinionated and, but there's a handful of people on this earth that know my true story and what I've been through. Um, and in recent years, I've tried to figure out how to share that to people to better understand myself and what actually goes on in the military. Um, just haven't been able to put it all together. Um, but it's, I would wish no one ever to go through what I've went through. Um, but it's finding those handful of people that I did share with and I'm just able to share it and feel like, you know, I got like some sort of boulder off my chest and it allows me to breathe and, and feel a little bit mm. human again. Yeah. Uh, so, and so what I've noticed, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So kind of, so going back to the therapy session where you said you feel judged or these things, so why do you think there is that stigma or that generalization about people who are veterans of the military or army or Navy that go to therapy? Uh, because the biggest thing for us to is admit is that we need help. And once we admit that we need help, um, we're, we're looked at as weak and you're, it's so, it's crazy to, um, it's so nice. It's, it's like, if, if you're military and you get out of service, and you're completely fine. You never say anything about it again. That's perfect because that's what the U S military wants. Um, or anyone within the military. But if you say, you know, I'm broken and I got broken while I was in service, say an injury, or, you know, I'm struggling with this, you're admitting something and you're like, I just need help. Like, I don't know how to process this or whatever. You're like, it's, it's automatically 180 and you're, it's uh your black ball. I, th I think that's wild. The fact that, and, and obviously there's a lot of, there's, it's sad, but there's a lot of not just military men, but just men in general who don't, aren't able to ask for help or don't want to help get help because of the ego or because they don't want to be vulnerable. But the fact that you actually were like, no, I need help. I need someone to, you know, guide me through this tough time to get on the better side. I think that's that's courageous. And the fact that people almost just kind of mock or at least are saying like, oh, you're weak. I think that's pathetic personally, because you're doing what any any human who wants to get better is doing. They're asking for help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you, as myself, as a man and, and a father, you, you can you can only do what you can. And uh, it's almost, you know, what's best for me. And the judgments and the stereotypes and the stigmatisms, um, uh, you do the best you can in each situation and, and take it uh, day by day. 
Um, but it's 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 very eye opening. You know how the U.S. has a day for everything or a month for so and so or whatever. Yes. Um, mm. Like veterans get one day, but what do you really learn about what's really going on with veterans? Like, what do you really know um, about Memorial Day or Labor Day or like do you, people don't people in America people just want a reason to party, a reason to drink a reason to not work, not work or spend money. But do you even know what's going on that day and the people that are around that and like what they're actually dealing with and what they're struggling with and how you can help them. Um, but they don't because uh, America, to be honest, is completely ignorant. I, yeah, I do think that's actually a theme to the conversation is ignorance. And I think that, and going back to the saying, everyone's heard this, but I'll say it again. Ignorance is no excuse. Like ignorance, not just ignorance of the law, but I just think ignorance in general is no excuse. I, there's no reason to just be totally ignorant about things. And I think with Veterans Day and even anyone who's listening in Canada, Remembrance Day um, and obviously Memorial Day, I always, I always think they're important because obviously like Memorial Day is tough for you know yourself and other people in that community who have lost brothers. They've lost people that they've been fighting side by side with and losing someone that you're close to like that is not easy. So I think if we can bring some awareness to the true meaning of, you know, those days, and I'll even actually reminding me of that uh, when I started the podcast this last year, I had an episode on Memorial Day and I actually spoke about what the true meaning of Memorial Day is. So I wanted to ask you, what is the true meaning of Veterans Day, Memorial Day? And obviously for Canadians, Remembrance Day, what are the true meanings for you? Obviously Memorial Day is uh, taking a moment to share the lives that uh, get sacrificed has nothing to do with that has nothing to do with active duty military it has to do with uh, the men and women that actually made the ultimate sacrifice and i lost uh, quite a few close friends overseas and something i still deal with today um and then i've also lost close friends from the battle after returning of transitioning and uh, and suicide um so those are two huge hurdles so memorial day is really trying to take a uh you know taking a moment of your life and realizing you know i wouldn't be here this country wouldn't be here for these individuals veterans day are, are for people who did survive who are battling actively battling you know the real world uh being back home or wherever they are um and just, you know, it's not about active duty. It's not about uh, the people that have passed. It's about the veterans that are here every day dealing with things, kind of some of the things that we spoke about. Um, so those are the, those are the two, two differences um, in, in the big days. And a lot of people don't realize that because on Memorial Day, people will think, you know, active duty military and veterans. Well, it's, it's not about those people. It's about the people who have passed, you know, and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Because Veterans Day is more about, like you said, it's about the active duty and the all just pretty much everyone who's even active duty, retired people that are going through things, people that are alive is Veterans Day, where Memorial Day is, hey, the reason we're able to enjoy, you know, drinking on this day and barbecues and the beach and all this, all these is because there were there were the, you know, it's like the for the Marines, like the few, the proud, the Marines. 
this select group of people that gave their life so that we can live the way we do. And I think that it's just crazy how many people just, like you said, are ignorant of the true meaning of Memorial Day. And I think that's sad. So I think, you know, if I can try to bring some sort of awareness to, and I know it's only January, I know it's in a few months, but just bring some awareness to those holidays, I think is something that I don't mind doing personally. No, that's good. Education is key. Um, you know, and I go back to, you know, I never joined the military for praise or I still don't know when people say thank you for your service. I still don't know how to respond to that um, because I never did it for anything or anyone else. All I did, it was I did it for myself to push me and see why I was made up as a uh, as a man, both physically and mentally. Um, so you know, if you're willing to do those things and bring awareness for those people, that's that's amazing. And uh, uh, it's much appreciated. Yeah, I think for anyone out there, if you see someone, because I always do this, if you see someone, if you see a veteran, they're wearing a hat, let's say, like World War II veteran, even though, sadly, I don't know how many World War II veterans are going to be left just because of what year it is and obviously their age. But if you see someone who's a Korean War vet, a Vietnam vet, someone from you know Afghanistan or someone who served in Iraq, if you can tell them thank you for your service, it, mean, it means the world to them uh, a little story was I was a game I was playing in like I was in the box obviously you know stupid took a penalty but the guy in the box was wearing a like a hat like saying he's a veteran so I told him hey thank you for your service and he he really really appreciated that because I feel like not many people come up to those individuals and say hey thank you for your service thank you for uh for making a sacrifice so that we can do what we do here so I think if you can do something as small as going up to someone and saying, hey, thank you for your service, you know, you're appreciated. I think it means the world to them personally. Yeah, it does. Um, and then you'll you'll get like the gentleman you spoke about. And then you'll get uh, some generations who still don't know how to really react to that because for whatever reason, but those those small words and having those, you know, uh, appreciative words uh, mean a lot. Uh, they mean something to me. I just... I've never been able to understand how to react, um, uh, but it, it does mean a lot because you have an individual who's taking time out of their day to say, "Hey, thank you for what you did," and then you know it, it's a very it's very kind. Especially since what we've been talking about with how people in as of people who are veterans don't get treated very well. It's like when someone does treat a veteran well, it's almost like like you said, you don't know how to react because you're used to the bad so you don't really know how to react to the good and it's obviously just about trying to internalize that yeah there are people that actually do like me that do actually care about me and liked what i did for the betterment of our country so it's just it's just it takes time but like you said you just got to sometimes trust the process in that kind of way yep it's it's a, it's a long process a process that will take quite some time but exactly you hit it right on the head yeah so another thing i wanted to ask was uh, looking back on it, what are what are some things you've learned about yourself uh, with your time in the armed forces? Um, that uh, truly anything anything is possible. Uh, learning how to take uh, mental toughness and and really learning how to take uh, like 
taking your mind out of your body and pushing yourself through the hardest things that anyone on earth could possibly imagine. Um, as you set your mind, something your mind, your mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. And if you're able to nurture and treat and train your minds, your body will follow and you can achieve anything, uh, anything that you want to do. Um, that uh, that you set your that you set yourself up for um that's the that's the biggest thing that um i can pass and i've went through the depths of hell uh almost like a roller coaster of different things while in service and post service mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh you it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination but uh it's possible for sure. It, well, I don't know if this is, it's kind of funny for me, but when you say anything is possible or anyone says it, the first thought that comes into my head is, uh, and I'm not sure if it's just cause I'm, I'm, this is where I'm at now, but I think of Kevin Garnett, uh, after winning the 08 championship in the NBA and he goes, anything is possible. Like, that's what I think of first, but no, you're right. I mean, if you like, like we said, if you could set your mind to something and it doesn't matter what it is, if you could set your mind to something and but it's not just that, but if you can actually put in the work and execute, then yeah, nothing, nothing's, you know, impossible. Anything can happen. Exactly. And, and so many people have so many different excuses or they don't want to do the work or they want other people to do the work or, or whatever it may be. Um, all you can really do is just try to find out, have an opportunity or to surround yourself with mentors or, or just, all I've really wanted in life was an opportunity. Um, and then, and then kind of go from there. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's all, it's all up here between, between the, uh, between the ears. Um, and a lot of people, uh, don't realize that. Um, but, uh, you know, me being older, the, the, uh, the body is, is, uh, is definitely in, uh, rehabilitation from, all the things I put myself uh, through when I was younger and what mm-hmm. happened. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting question. I also wanted to ask was, did you ever break any rules while you were in service? And if so, what's ca- for anyone that does break rules, what's the punishment or what's the protocol that happens? Um, what do you mean by break rules? No, okay. So what I mean is, uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what rules, but it's like, if you had, let's say a set of rules within like, let's say boot camp or whatever it was like, yeah. You weren't supposed to go, you're supposed to be in your barracks at, let's say like, you know, let me think, let me think of the time real quick. Uh, let's say 2,200 hours, right? Sorry, yeah. I had to do the conversion. 2,200, but let's say you snuck off or something like that and you're not back till, let's say 22, like 2230. Like what would the repercussions be for something like that? Uh, those all vary time to time. Uh, it just depends on who's in charge of you and what happens and that type of stuff. But uh, when I was in Southeast Asia, uh, there's a lot of typhoons and earthquakes, but, uh, one of the biggest, um, rules you're, you're supposed to have is like when there's a typhoon come coming through, you're supposed to lock down in your barracks. Well, when you're in the middle of nowhere and you have a bunch of alpha males in the barracks, uh, trying to find things to do, uh, you create all kinds of fun things like surfing and, <laughs> Uh, jumping off of rooftops with, uh, uh, you know, ponchos and poncho liners, making your own parachutes. Uh, and then the, there's this, uh, 
a squad day. So pretend like, uh, well, you like, cause you're at school. So like your school, mm. there's like a hallway, there's a door at each end of the hallway. Well, if you open yep. up the other huge gusts of wind will go, uh, pull through. So what you do is you remember those, uh, desk chairs that like can spin with the wheels. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm in one right now. <laughs> exactly. So pretend like you're that at one end of the hallway with a made up parachute on the back and that flies you all the way down the hall at like <laughs> miles an hour. So these were some things that were not looked uh, upon on the greatest, but uh, were executed perfectly. That's funny. Oh my goodness. That, that actually does sound pretty fun actually thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very, you become very innovative when you have lots of time and natural disasters are, are happening. For sure. Um, so transitioning, I actually wanted to play a game with you. We're going to play word association. So I got a game I play on the show. So we got five words. I'm going to read them to you. Like I'm going to start with one, you know, and I want you to say the first word that pops in your mind when I say it. So the first one is, um, Revelier or it's like, you know, you know, like not even saying it right. PK revel, Yeah. Reveille. Reveille. There. Uh, first thing I think of is a trumpet. I think of uh, wake up because obviously, well, Reveille for anyone that doesn't know, it's it's basically like the French word for wake for waking up. So obviously, like everyone's heard the tune, but that's what's played uh, for for uh, people in the army to wake up. Correct? Not just a movie thing. I don't think. Armed bases like on base, like if you're on base, like it'll play in the morning at a certain time, whatever that base designation time is. And it's usually it and isn't it usually between like o five hundred and it's usually like. 0500 between like 0500 and like 0800 or something like that. Yeah, it varies. Like if you're during boot camp, it's set. If you're on a different base, like training area, it's set. So it, it all varies from base to base or training area. So, okay. So if you had to give um, an over under number on how many times you've heard Reveille in your, in your career with the military, what, what number, what would you set the line at? Uh, 1500 <laughs> i don't even know that's a lot oh my yeah talk about a song getting ingrained in your brain jeez yeah. <laughs> oh my god um next one we're gonna go uh yeah go it's a tune i'll never forget well i don't think you can shoot um next no, we got yeah it is uh next we got dog tags uh hidden and I'm going to say when I think of dog tags, I think of like identification or at least like usually everyone has a dog tag on them. What did what do you remember about uh, your dog tags? If you had any. I did have them, but they were always hidden because people realized, like, obviously, when you're down the range, if you have dog tags and you're like, you know, there's other people from the other side, you don't want to see you like you can't have them clinging around. You can't have them being signed because they're shiny. Um, so. I, I had one dog tag uh, and it was in my left boot and there was electrical tape over it. So you couldn't see it or it wouldn't reflect in sunlight or anything like that. So um, there was always hidden. That is, that's smart. Um, next where we're going to go is engage. Engage? Yep. Engage. Oh, wow. Uh, a puck. A puck. Um, I'm going to say, when I think of engage, I'm going to say enter or getting ready. So why do you say, uh, why do you say your word? Pock, because yeah. obviously 
uh, I played a little bit of goalie in my life. And mm-hmm. first thing I think of is like a shooter coming down, you're, you're engaged with the puck and ready for it. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I agree. Next we're going to say is uh, rank. Uh, uh, position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was gonna say either position or a, a certain rank that comes to mind is like colonel, general, just the different uh different like higher ups in the military. Yep. And then the last one is uh core, like the core, like the Marine Corps, like core value or like just C-O-R. like no, yeah, like C O R P, like the Marine Corps, yeah, like the core. Oh, uh, you want? Oh boy, uh, politics. Politics. Interesting. Um, I I would say yeah, Marine Corps, I guess. Um, or even weirder was um, uh, an inside joke that uh, happened with um, uh, me and Igor this summer was um, there's a I don't know if any if anyone's you know SpongeBob fan they've seen the episode but there's a clip he sent me where Patrick um is like in a <laughs> an army hat and they're like Squidward's like Patrick what are you doing and he goes he's like sir I thought the court he's like I joined the court to help straighten out my life sir. And he's like the core. Like, what? Yeah. No, but, there's, there's politics. And and we don't have obviously, you know, we don't have to get into the minutiae of the politics, but what about politics go with the with the core? Man, that's a that's a whole nother series, let alone that is, episode. That is a whole nother, yeah. That is a whole nother one. Um yeah. no, yeah. it's, I'm just politics, man. It's, yeah politics geez yeah we don't we don't need to get started on that but yeah uh obviously i appreciate you coming on a question i had was um who would you like to see me uh bring on the show in the future oh this is a good one this is a good one um i would say Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. That'd be a that would be a great one. Um Phil, uh Phil at uh Lariana Hockey Gym in Russia. He's anyone that doesn't know this guy's a legend. He actually is um he's actually a he's actually friends with Ovechkin. He uh I think he played hockey with him uh growing up in Russia. He's yeah, he's a great trainer. I would love to to chat with him. I just have to I might have to learn a bit of Russian for that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, uh, he English, but uh, I think you'd be good. He'd be yeah, good chat. for sure. I, I I'm trying to remember who uh who was. That. I don't know if it was Usado or someone. Someone actually did recommend you to to come on the show. So so it was um it on was, the show. Yeah, yeah. I think it was you. I'll have to go back and check the archives. Oh. But someone did recommend you to come on the show. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, I feel the love, boys. Thanks. Oh Thanks. yeah. So, of course. That. Um. A few one final uh one a few other final things is um tell it give it give the audience um a good uh or give them a funny uh Igor uh Igor Jr. story. <laughs> oh my god. Since he's uh, he, he works his way into pretty much every episode just because there's so many things that come up. But yeah, uh, what's a funny funny story that he'll he'll hear since he'll listen to this? <laughs> oh boy. Um I don't, I, I, the, the funniest one that I remember is, or not remember, there's a, there's a ton of them, but I feel like I was his professional U-Haul driver. <laughs> so Explain. I can't tell you how many trips I've 
I've moved uh, our our dear friend, uh, but I love him. Um, I have seen so much uh, different uh, setups, but uh, definitely, definitely have uh, definitely moved him quite a bit, quite a few places. So, but uh, a funny story. Um, uh, one time we were in Russia and we were supposed to have dinner together. And then obviously I'm not Russian and I don't speak fluid Russian. And uh, they're like, nope, you can't go to dinner anymore. I'm like, perfect. Uh, what am I going to do? So I went and hung out in this room and like 25, 30 minutes later, Igor Jr. pops in with some pizza and he goes, here you go, CL. I knew you were hungry and gives me some uh, pizza and some chicken wings. So it was, it was a, it was a funny, it was a funny line. Oh, for sure. Um, and then obviously the famous, uh, the famous story that was told, was um, you eating the shrimp in Russia. Uh, oh, me eating yeah. the shrimp? In the the, 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 um, well, no, I remember with you, we were like talking about the Ozuri and he's like, yeah, you don't eat the shrimp in Ozuri. Okay. Not eat the shrimp. Nope. Niet. Niet. That's uh, yeah. So anyone who goes to Ozuri, Russia and a shrimp, avoid it. At all costs. <laughs> yeah. Your, uh, your bowels will thank you later. You'll be stuck in a room dying uh, for quite some time. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So where can, uh, where can the, the listeners and viewers find you on, on social just to kind of keep, keep up with uh, what, you, what you're up to uh, in the future? Um, well, uh, not, uh, not just me, but uh, like uh, uh, more like I have Instagram, but more my my woman's Instagram. We do some uh, weekly episodes on there of like some name games, kind of our life and our family um, and kind of just kind of just uh, follow us, follow me there. So that's kind of where I'm at. What's the uh, what's the name of it for everyone to, to go find it? Uh, so it's Riley Renee Beauty Co. So she she's a makeup artist and stuff like that. So oh nice, she, nice. that's good. All the, like the family stuff, our our type of stuff. So stuff like that. So mm-hmm. she's way more cool than I am. So <laughs> hey, no, sh- no shame in that. No, it's it's all yeah. good. No, no, it's that's all good. But yeah, I uh, can't thank you enough, Larry, for uh, coming on the show. It's good to good to catch up and hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, you too, big man. We'll we'll talk soon, and uh, uh, you have a you have a good day and. Uh, the best to all the listeners. Yep. Thank you. Once again, huge thanks to Lawrence Miller for hopping on the show. It was really good to catch up with him. I had not seen him in a while. Um, funny story about Lawrence was um, when I was in Detroit over the summer in 2020, um, back when uh, Igor lived there. So like I would go see him and the boys. I'd drive up there, stay with uh, my love, a lovely past uh, Billet family, Robin and Kathleen. They're the best. Thank Shout out those, those two. Um, and Lawrence would play soccer with us on Saturdays and this guy had such a, such an interesting style of soccer oh my goodness it was so funny but even funnier this guy tried to not only be a player he tried to be the ref too so so guys would like you know guys would like commit fouls or you know I would take someone out and he'd be like that's a penalty even though we didn't it's like dude you're not the ref you're a player but there was even one time I um he was coming out like I I kind of bodied him off the ball came in and scored and I was so I was so hyped I'm like let's go 
So that was great. But yeah, um, I hope, hope everyone enjoyed that interview. Um, as always, podcast, Instagram, PK's Place podcast. I post clips, everything, um, new episode, post everything uh, regarding the pod. Go check that out. Let's try to, let's grow that pod Instagram. My personal Instagram is p.hughes15. Check me out. I post a lot of good photos there. Um, remember, leave, follow, subscribe, leave, subscribe to the YouTube. Turn the bell on for notifications so you get notified when I post the video versions of these. Um, so hello to everyone who's watching. I just waved. Um, those that can't see. Um, and yeah, go uh, subscribe also to Spotify, if you, Spotify or Apple podcast, whatever one you listen to. Um, leave a five-star rating. Everything done in that way is very nice. Um, it's very appreciated and I it means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, that is... Uh, that is it for this week. I will see everyone next week. Uh, have, a, have a great uh, week.